Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of mobility and manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive and industrial manufacturing industries and supporting ecosystems, and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy to be back with a new live episode of the Future of Mobility and Manufacturing with Game Changers Radio. And I just got the exciting news that the series is renewing for 2022. So we have a great year ahead of terrific topics. Today's topic will interest all of you around the world, whether you're in the automotive industry, that's a clue, or whether you're just concerned about the future of our planet and the future of all kinds of industries. Our topic today is on the road to sustainable mobility in the automotive industry. That should capture your attention, whether it's on the road, uh-huh, okay, a little bit of a, you know, and automotive, okay, driving, and sustainable mobility. I haven't seen those words put together yet. So let me give you a little background before my two esteemed guests introduce themselves. I have a quote from Thomas Pohl, who was one of the sponsors of this series. He wrote in Forbes, let me read this to you, historically, the automotive industry has not focused on sustainable practices. Just let that sink in, everyone. Traditional assembly line manufacturing uses huge amounts of energy, metals, plastics, toxins, oops, and manpower, leaving behind a massive carbon footprint. Most vehicles still require fossil fuels, we all know we're guilty, to operate, which release harmful emissions. Attitudes towards sustainability, however, are maturing. Big and small players in the industry are increasingly feeling the pressure to rethink the way they operate. So that sets us up. One more quote from Greenpeace.org. Listen up. A November 2021 Greenpeace.org report, and that was just a few months ago, estimated that the 86 million cars sold just in the year 2018 accounted for 9% of global greenhouse gas emissions. Let that sink in. Now, let me give you a little more background before I introduce my guests. Sustainability and delivering on the potential of sustainable mobility are quickly rising to the top of strategic priority lists across the automotive sector. Accomplishing this objective demands end-to-end long-term thinking and innovation to ensure sustainability is embedded into every activity, every process, and every outcome. It's big. Today, sustainability is evolving from being seen as a challenge to being seen as an opportunity for automakers and their extended value chains. And you can notice that I said value chains, not just supply chains. We've introduced the term value chains on some of my shows recently. Leaders with strategy and commitment to succeed will not just elevate their brand in the minds of customers, investors, and regulators. They will also achieve, this is what they need, significant cost and productivity benefits. Technology and data are the enablers of this change, and they have now matured to a point where automotive OEMs are held back only by their level of ambition. I have two experts on the panel today. You can wave. We are on Zoom, and I have the privilege of seeing them. Daniel Garshagen at Capgemini. We're so happy to have you here. And Moncombu Raju. And he told me we're such good friends because he's been on my show before. I can call him Raju, and he's at SAP. I'm going to ask them for their take on On the Road to Sustainable Mobility in the automotive industry. Welcome, gentlemen. Daniel, you're up first. Would you please do us the honor of introducing yourself? Tell us a little about what you do, what your role at Capgemini is, and more important to the listeners and people who may see the video, Daniel, what's your passion for this topic? Why are you here? Welcome. 
Thank you so much, Bonnie. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. I've heard so many great things about the show. Uh, it's fantastic. So I'm Daniel. Um, I am based in Munich, Germany, and uh, I am with Capgemini and in particular in the automotive sector of Capgemini. I've been working in the sector for almost 10 years now, supporting different clients, so basically all car makers in the European space. Uh, mostly on their digital transformation within the last years. So digital transformation, I believe, was the hype and buzzword uh, the last years, uh, now talking about today's sustainability. And um, since, since two years now, I'm, I'm also responsible for um, our innovation lab that we have in, uh, in Munich, plus now responsible for our sustainability topics that we are doing with our clients here in Germany, our automotive clients. Um, and why sustainability and why this is a passion? I mean, I think in that topic, it's an easy answer, right? Because sustainability should affect every one of us. Um, either if you have kids or don't, um, we, we all live on the same planet. And um, I think working in that industry, in the automotive industry, as you just rightly said so in the beginning, it's um, something, there's a lot of pressure on the industry, but now there are also so many opportunities in the industry to do something good. I mean, we all read the press in the last years about uh, Volkswagen and their diesel scandal and all these things, and they can completely flip now uh, how to society and how people think about them. And um, this is why I am so passionate about it, because we can actually do something good um, for all of us. And uh, great and, and to talk to you about that today. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Daniel. Thank you. Before I call on Raju, Daniel, you mentioned you're now the lead of the Innovation Lab. What do you do in an Innovation Lab, if I may ask? Well, basically, we, we, we help our, our clients not to think about the today, uh, but also to think about the tomorrow, or if you could rephrase it, about the new and the next. So how can we solve our issues or our problems, our challenges with new technology? How can we solve our challenges with completely new business models? Uh, that's what we're doing there. So step out of the ordinary, um, because most of the time we do we run our day-to-day -day business. And what we want to do there in this in this innovation lab is to really yeah think about the new, think about the next, and do things differently. Um, because that's innovation for me, doing things differently. Uh, and again, this is something that we need to do uh, when we when it comes to being more sustainable. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Raju, it's been a while since we've spoken, so happy to have you back. Would you please catch us up on what you've been up to? Well, you know, by now people may not exactly remember what you said the last time you were on, so why don't you refresh their memory? What's your role at SAP? And as I asked Daniel, what is your passion for our topic? Raju, so nice to see you. Welcome back. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the show here. And yes, uh, I've been on your show a couple of times, and it's it's good to be back again. Uh, so yeah, so my name is Raju. I'm part of uh, industry business unit here at SAP. And what that means is I'm part of the solution management uh, team, which helps basically uh, do something similar to what Daniel said, which is looking at the, the future trends uh, of uh, the industry, what are the best practices, or what we now call next practices, what our customers are looking for. So helping that uh, translate those uh, practices into our solutions. So helping both uh, our customers to educate and enable them on the new uh, practices or next practices uh, from a business process point of view and, all, 
and also for our uh, development colleagues to build uh, those solutions to help our customers. So uh, I think the last time when I was on your show, we I was uh, responsible for customer experience and uh, uh, topic uh, and customer centricity was one of my key uh, focus areas at that time. And so since then, uh, for the last couple of years, I've been focusing on uh, sustainability as a topic, uh, along with customer centricity. And so uh, over the years, uh, us, uh, being in the industry, uh, uh, working with our OEM customers, uh, large car manufacturers, uh, large suppliers, and you know national sales companies and dealer networks, you know helping them uh, go on this journey when it comes to the complete sales, service, aftermarket, and the customer-centric uh, application. So working on that one. And uh, uh, now the question of why sustainability, uh, similar to what uh, I think we all encounter in our life, you know, uh, you know, car and driving is a, you know, an individual and special experience, but we always forget, you know, what are the impacts, you know, it has, you know, uh, what we have seen over the last many years, you know, uh, you know, clock cities or uh, freeways and uh, the smog uh, forming emissions and all the greenhouse gas emissions and all the impacts what we are you know leaving behind when we use the product yeah so the question is you know how can we help uh, uh, our customers who are slowly transforming mm -hmm. uh, you know from you know regular gasoline engines to hybrids or now going to elect electrification uh, powertrains or electrified powertrains so I see there's a huge opportunity to help our customers. So that's why I'm really passionate about it, uh, where we, we see a lot of opportunities to help our customers. So, and that's what I think we are going to talk about in more details today, yeah? Absolutely, thank you very much. I have a question for both of you. Sustainable mobility, is this a term that is very specific, narrow to the automotive industry because mobility is something that moves in terms of transportation from point A to point B where it takes you? Or is this sustainable mobility? Is this just another form of sustainability? I'm just curious because I hadn't seen the words put together until we started to plan the show. Daniel, what do you think? Oh, um it is not only related to car makers or OEMs. Um, it is definitely, I would say, something that goes for the whole mobility ecosystem. Because when we talk about sustainable mobility, and we'll talk about, again, that later as well, I believe, is that we have our all of our different participants in the mobility ecosystem that play a role. That comes, it starts with car makers. We have the customers, drivers. We have fleet managers. We have cities who are involved. Um, other municipals, uh, and so on and so forth. So all of them, they create, and they need to create this sustainable mobility solution because we cannot um, offer mobility the same way as we have done, let's say, 20 years ago. Because then when you were asked about mobility, it was just, okay, I need mobility, here's a car, right? Um, how do I get to my job with a car? Uh, and now it's, it's so much more. It's, you can go by, by car, you can go there by train, by bus, by bicycle. Uh, get a ride share, and so on and so forth. And all this needs to come together to create something that is called then sustainable mobility, to make it sustainable. Thank you. Raju, thoughts on the term? I, I, I completely agree with uh, the way Daniel put it together. I think uh, the context is a little bit broader than you know just a narrow aspect of it. It involves all the players, as we say, in the, in the ecosystem. So... Um, uh, I think uh, Ford, for example, uh, you know, 
uh, Ford or even GM, they all talk about being uh, a mobility provider or uh, mobility or transportation as a service provider. So they use the term in a, in a more broader context as well, which is that it's not just narrow to a, a one particular topic. So it involves the complete e ecosystem like uh, Daniel mentioned. Thank you very much. Thank you, gentlemen. I feel better now. I wanted to know. I'd like to know what we're talking about. This is your wheelhouse, pun intended, and not mine. So thank you very much. Let's go to your opening quotes. If our listeners, viewers are new to the show, I ask my guests to send me in advance a quote from a fictional character in a movie or TV show or a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic. And then I ask them to use their imagination, their knowledge of the topic to relate the quote to the topic. So we have a couple of really good ones here today. Daniel Garshagan at Cap Gemini has sent us a quote from Monty Python songs from a 1989 album. Uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian, known as Life of Brian, is a 1979 British comedy film starring and written by the comedy group Monty Python, Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Terry Gilliam, Eric Idle, Terry Jones, and Michael Palin. And the film tells the story of Brian Cohn, played by Chapman, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, a comedy song is part of that film, featured in the film, is called, and here's the quote Daniel picked, always look on the bright side of life. Daniel, I love the quote. Haven't had any Monty Python quotes in a long time, so please tell, I don't I don't even know if you were born then. Let's not go there. Uh, how did you find the quote and how do you relate it to our topic? Daniel, please. Yeah, sure. Well, well first of all, um, I think for everyone who has seen the movie, it's, it's just hilarious, right? You're so uh, being in a situation where you cannot get out of, um, and when, let's face it, about to die, you just start thinking, uh, always look on the bright side of life. Even though at that point of time, there is no bright side, right? Because uh, it, it's basically the, the path is clear where you're going. But, um, well, first of all, I wanted to um, get rid of the impression that Germans don't have humor. So we, we do intentionally watch a movie that has some humor in it, <laughs> even though that's British and that not, not German, Monty Python. Um, but, um, well, I am um, by nature a positive person. And... Um, if you start to read about sustainability, about the environmental impact that's happening, um, no matter what book you're reading, no matter what documentary you're watching, um, you can get really sad because there's so much happening that it's not going to affect us in a positive way. And we need to do way more than we're doing currently. Um, but I tend to, let's say, look on the bright side of life again to see, well, we as, let's say, and now this is really huge what I'm telling you, with humans, we have mastered so much. Um, why not master this, right? And we need to um, to master this. And um, again, reflecting what you were saying in the beginning, Bonnie, about this is not only a challenge, but also an opportunity. I want to shout out to car makers and everyone involved in the mobility or transportation ecosystem saying, hey, look at the bright side of light. This is bringing you some chances as well. Uh, you, economic, you can gain market share, um, but also, hey, this is also your planet, right? So act on it, do something, and um, look at the right side of life and, and make the best out of the challenges uh, that, that you're having there. Um, this is why I wanted to take this quote. Um, also, whenever I, I write this down, look at the right side of life, the jingle basically stays in my head for 
I'd say a week or so. Are you going to sing it or hum it? I will it not. <laughs> can, you, can you hum it at least? Can you hum a bar? Or two? It's always look on the bright side of life. Now it's your turn. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'll rehearse it for the next time we meet. I appreciate that. Thank you. Raju has picked a an absolutely classic, wonderful, iconic quote. It's from Yoda, Grandmaster of the Jedi Order, voiced and puppeteered. And and uh, Word Microsoft Word has trouble with the word puppeteered. No matter how I spell it, they put a red line underneath it. So I still don't know. By Frank Oz, the movie, of course, Star Wars Episode. Five, that's V in Roman numerals, The Empire Strikes Back, 1980 American epic space opera film based on a story by the one and only George Lucas. And here is the quote, and you all know it, do or do not, there is no try. I do a terrible Yoda impersonation. <laughs> Raju, rescue me. Talk to me about the quote, please. I love, love that quote. And uh, it's been like, I would say, like a, a trademark of Star Wars. Uh, I've been a big Star Wars fan and... Uh, of wise grandmaster, Jedi master, Mr. Yoda. <laughs> I must have watched, you know, Star Wars and all the sequels and the trilogies. And so the fact, uh, as we know, we do not have a Millennium Falcon, uh, Millennium Falcon and, uh, or planet Coruscant or Naboo to go to. Uh, and we all have this wonderful planet Earth and we need to take care of it uh, within what we, as uh, Daniel mentioned, you know, there's opportunities. And what we see is all the uh, crisis which we which we are seeing the climate crisis, you know, over the last, you know, last two years especially, but even before that, uh, the changes which are happening uh, to our uh, to our world. And uh, I think uh, the impact from the transportation industry, you know, is counts for for twenty nine percent of carbon emissions uh, about 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 that much. So, so there is a significant amount of, uh, you know, the CO2 or the product usage, as we call it, on the, on the vehicles or the cars we, we use. So what I feel is, you know, there are no try or tries left for the automakers and, you know, to just give, you know, a few more better mileage and, you know, uh, you know work with that, uh, hoping that everything will be fine. So it's in our best interest. It's the best interest for our uh, economy and economic mobility, basically. Uh, you know, not just for people and goods, but for services. So uh, the time for to act is now, as as we say, and the Yoda master said, do so uh, right now. And so I see the industry needs to take these decisive steps and make sure that we are on the right path for this sustainable mobility. And you know, uh, we are going to talk about more uh, in the next. Uh, half an hour now. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we have about about uh, about 35 minutes left. Thank you both for your quotes. I appreciate it. I have to tell you about a news story I read the other day it, related to it's our planet. Daniel, as you said, and as Raju said, and it's a personal quest. It's a personal challenge, a personal journey to make it sustainable for future generations, for whoever or whatever will inhabit this planet. I, I recently read that there's now a new emerging branch of psychology called climate change anxiety psychology. And that people are seeking, uh, there was an article, I think in the New York Times, a woman is seeking therapy because she feels guilty that her child wants her to buy snacks and the snacks come wrapped in 
plastic. And she's worried about what she's using in terms of products in her home and what she's consuming and how she is or is not contributing to and, and climate change relating to sustainability of the planet. So I was intrigued that there's a new branch of psychology popping up to treat people mm -hmm. with, and it could be translated to from climate change anxiety to sustainability anxiety. Isn't that really what we're, we're talking about here? She's saying, am I doing something bad for the planet? I'm very concerned for myself and my child and my family. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. Gentlemen, again, thank you for the quotes. You picked very, very well, and I love the explanations. Let's go to our formal roundtable segment of the show, discussion statements. Daniel and Raju both sent me, each sent me six statements. Let's see how many we can get through. It's going to be a back and forth interactive. So Daniel, I'm teeing up your first statement. I'll read it in a second, but I'm going to ask you to do what they do on the news. Unpack it, please, Daniel. And take about three minutes. And Raju, I can see Raju you're sitting on the edge of your chair. You're, he's waiting to pounce. I'm going to ask Raju to agree or disagree with Daniel. Don't be afraid to disagree. Just be nice, okay? And then I'll pick a statement from Raju, and we'll go back and forth, and let's see what we cover. Lots of good information here. Daniel told me the following before the show. He said, OEMs need to change their business models to become truly sustainable from car seller to mobility provider. Daniel, let's see what this is. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm happy to. Well, first of all, um, a little side note. I think we haven't actually described or explained sustainable. So we're talking a lot about the environmental impact, but of course it's more, right? It's, it's, it's also around social standards, about human rights, and all these topics. So when we talk about truly sustainable, and when I talk about truly sustainable, I mean all of that. Of course, it, there's a lot about environmental impact, and that might be the, the topic where OEMs, car makers, um, that, that they can mostly um, uh, have an effect on. But uh, in general, it's, it's more than just the environmental impact. But what do I mean with that they need to change their business model to become truly sustainable? Basically, what I see is the industry, let's face it, has been the same for 100 years. So they have belted some materials, they have made a car, and they have sold the car. That's it. That, that has been the automotive industry. Um, and now it, it needs to change. It, it has started changing already with the digital transformation and new customer expectations that they are not just want to have a, let's say, four wheels on the road, but they want to have more like digital services, um, additional infotainment solutions and all these mm -hmm. things. But in order to become truly sustainable, um, the car makers really need to change their business model into a way that they provide sustainable mobility. And what do I mean by that? Um, let me give you two answers to it. The one is, the first one is, um, they need to incorporate the whole ecosystem. Yeah. So offer to your clients, not only your vehicle, um, best case scenario, of course, electric vehicle, um, but offer them mobility, offer them another solution to, as we said before, to get from home to your job. Um, even though that might mean that you're not driving a car of the car manufacturer, but in the end, this car maker that OEM should be the one offering you the mobility. So have a complete package of mobility solutions for your clients, um, because just driving by car is not sustainable enough. And the second topic is, um, and we did some research on that as well, how important it is for, for customers. When they go to a dealership and want to buy a car, well, let's say five years ago, there was a tire kickers, right? So checking the car, 
okay, what, what uh, horsepower does it have? Um, uh, what kind of combustion engine is it? Um, so a couple of same questions all the time. But now if I want to buy an electric vehicle, I need to understand oof, what else do I need? Do I need a wall box? Do I need a cable? Do I need a digital service that helps me to find a charging point? Do I need a charging card to charge my car because I cannot just go to a gas station? What else is there that I need? So there's really the, the desire and the need to offer something completely new. And that is the whole, let's say, electric driving experience that goes beyond just the car. And this is, again, a completely new business model that um, car makers need to develop and that car makers have to provide to their customers. Because otherwise, they will stick to combustion engines. Um, and let me end that with picking up what you were saying about the anxiety, so the environmental anxiety. There's another term, I believe, that is uh, range anxiety. So drivers of electric vehicles have range anxiety because they are afraid they will not get to their destination um, with the battery load that they're having. So as an, a car maker, you need to get rid of the range anxiety. Um, again, something completely new that goes way beyond just selling pieces of materials brought together uh, as a car for one price. And, and Daniel, while you're talking, I'm thinking that when you go to a car parts store and you look under accessories, it might be uh, a holder, a cup holder. It might be uh, something to hold your seatbelt. I have one of those Velcro things that holds a seatbelt because I'm short and my, my seatbelt tends to rise up here and choke me, so I have to keep it down here. It might be something like an accessory to hold your cell phone, but now it's it's a charging cable and it's other things totally different. Raja, we'd love to get your take on this. Please agree or disagree. I think I know where you're going to go. Go. I agree with uh, what Daniel said, and that, that's an interesting take. And and the way I simplify this statement is, you know, car makers have been selling a product, yeah, and that was only selling. So that whole concept of selling uh, to an individual ownership, I think that is going to transform as, as I see. And that's where what Daniel was mentioning, because now you're looking at more of uh, a user experience or a, or a driving experience and and not just, uh, you know, uh, like for a long period of time, of course, you can have still the ownership, but more towards taking me from point A to point B and not just for me, but for goods as well. So because that's another uh, aspect of transportation and we see car makers like GM, you know, diversifying their portfolio, not just building one type of electric vehicle or just one channel, now they are looking at other products uh, because now the technology is available uh, and uh, the improvements in battery capacity, like the range anxiety topic, I think that's going to keep on improving. We may have more set of uh, uh, tools uh, which will come together uh, to help uh, overcome all these challenges in that sense. So, so the mobility uh, or the uh, so the true car makers are no longer just producing one type of product but providing a set of services on top of a platform of offers. So that's where I see the industry going towards. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Daniel, anything you want to say back to Raju? Uh, well, basically, perfectly uh, brought down on, on, the, on the essence of what I was saying, um, from, from products to services, um, from analog to digital. So there are so many shifts in the industry uh, from combustion to electric. Um, and it's um, 
again, this is why we are so passionate about being being part of that transformation. It's exciting. It really is. I had the opportunity to speak with and interview a real estate attorney recently on a different one of my shows. And she said there are all kinds of challenges in if you want to put up a charging station, where does it go? Is it in the parking lot of a big box store? How do people access it? How long do they leave their cars there? What do they expect to do to go out and shop in the store? Then you have the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA. How safe is it for them to get out of their car? Uh, how many cars can be there? The whole, the whole enchilada, if you will, about where do you put them? Who has access to them? How do you do it? How safe is it? How long is it going to take? So it's it's spawning all kinds of other industries, if you will. Let me go to our next statement because we have so much to cover. Raju, I'm looking at statement number two. Let's go here. You say sustainability is a team sport and requires the entire ecosystem working together to, to address the opportunities presented by the challenges for a sustainable planet. Let me continue here. This includes tier one, two, and three suppliers across various industries such as metals, chemicals, and car maker OEMs, vehicle and parts distributors, dealers, and customers, and the increasing importance of remanufacturers and recyclers. There is a lot to unpack here, Raju. Take, take four minutes for this one, and then we'll see what Daniel has to say. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so this is, uh, I think, one of the big challenges uh, when we just talk about sustainability, like what we started off with. Uh, sustainability is not uh, a, a, a thing which one company can achieve by itself. So they need to have all the players uh, part participate. So it's a collaborative sport. So it's a team sport, as we say. And automotive industry has a big value chain. So uh, take the example of uh, EV makers. Uh, they need to uh, go uh, and find the lithium ions, uh, lithium uh, lithium minerals, which has to come from the metal and mining industry, uh, mining industry, metal to make, uh, uh, transfer it to the chemical industry to make the cell, uh, uh, cell formulas, uh, cell uh, chemistry, build it into pouches and transfer it to uh, the battery makers or the OEMs to then install it. And then the suppliers who are providing the next set of components, uh, electric motors and other components, whether it's plastic uh, or uh, seats and other, other, other softwares uh, as well. And so they are all coming together. But if you think about the whole complete value chain of this vehicle uh, up to the car maker, uh, it's the suppliers. And if you now just take a look at the carbon footprint through the supply chain, you need to kind of manage all these elements uh, on how to improve those uh, carbon footprint. Now, we just uh, if you just now step back to what we have with our inter internal combustion engine, you know, up to the manufacturing was all, I would say limited carbon emission in a sense, in the traditional sense, but the usage of the vehicle or the cars was the highest carbon emission, two thirds or close to two thirds of carbon emission happens in the scope three uh, when the product is used. Now that whole, a uh, whole uh, equation is flipping a little bit because the manufacturing cost or the manufacturing carbon emission for the car batteries is currently pretty high. It's close to 30% uh, of, the, of the vehicle's uh, carbon emissions. Now, that means we need to look at each of these individual players in this, in this team sport, uh, in, this, in this ecosystem to make sure that each one of them is contributing so not just making sure that the 
batteries uh, sustainably manufactured is ethically mined like just like daniel said sustainability is uh, more than just carbon emissions of course it's looking at all the aspects of uh, 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 the sourcing all the way from sourcing to manufacturing and the new new angle or the new set of uh, players which are who are coming into this uh, equation will be once you have the ownership once you use it what happens to the batteries afterwards yeah whether it's 8 years whether it's 10 years you know who takes care of it so now we are looking at new set of market players who are going to specialize in this uh, concept of uh, reuse uh, remanufacture and recycling of these batteries and basically instead of taking virgin materials from you know for uh, lithium and other products using and secondary materials and recycling the the you know existing batteries and coming up with uh, Uh, the new products or or the same battery uh, cell products so i see a lot of challenges <laughs> but it is it's new set of opportunities and automotive is getting there we have new players coming into the in the space thank you and i think you were getting into the definition of the circular economy which is don't exactly. start with raw what can you do to spin off remanufacture recycle reuse repurpose regenerate reshare whatever it is and not just throw it into a landfill and it used to be the question of what do you do with old oil from a car right what do you do with with oil and where does it go into the ground into the landfill into the water plumes the water supply and now what do you do with the battery so you're right spawning new opportunities and new challenges challenges first and opportunities daniel love to get your pov go ahead yeah and um team team sport i think this is really the the right phrase there and um, i think this is wherever you look at, at the topic of sustainability in the broad context is always a team sport uh being at let, let's say um one country being sustainable the other less sustainable everyone needs to be sustainable the same goes for the whole value chain if um let's say the manufacturer starts to uh, have a green and and lean uh, manufacturing processes um it's a good starting point but if everything that the manufacturer is purchasing just as Rajiv was describing um has such a bad influence on the let's say carbon footprint or you buy raw materials from from illegal mines something like that then then of course you still have a positive impact with what you're doing in your on the production side but not in total anymore Uh, so this is why I totally agree with with the topic of this is a team sport. And if you look at the value chain, just as Rachel did, from beginning to end, including recycling, but again, as well now including also then the experience, the driving behavior of customers. Everywhere you look, you see new players that are required. Just one of your example on the charging stations. This has not been. There are no OEMs doing that. You need completely different players doing that. For combustion engines, you need your gas station provider, one person, one company. Now you need a lot more. You need a city. You need a charging station provider. You need the energy company. You need someone who um, puts the windmill some somewhere because you want to have green energy, of course. So, yep. um, so many players in this uh, in this field. Thank you and I understand there are different types of charging stations with the the longevity or the duration of the charge and I read recently that they're putting charging stations which require an overnight charge for just a few hours of battery battery life uh in older apartment buildings where people might not I don't know whether that meant older people who live there or older buildings but these are not the 
30 minutes and you're ready for 10 hours. This is overnight and you might get four hours and talk about range anxiety. So it's a, it's a whole new world opening up. Thank you very much. Raju, anything you want to say back to Daniel? Daniel, I put your next statement in the in the chat. Go ahead, Raju. I just want to add, I mean, like uh, the range anxiety topic. And there is uh, there are players who are also looking at now battery as a service. So instead of going and, you know, waiting, like you said, you know, overnight and or, you know, to get that whatever extra 100 uh, kilometers or 100 miles charge, uh, you know, there are a couple of companies and OEMs who are thinking, okay, can I, can I, can there is a possibility for a battery swapping concept. And, uh, and it's very interesting. Uh, the one of them is still uh, pursuing that uh, as well as with the charging as, as an, another alternative. But now if you just move from just a passenger car to now um, uh, two wheelers or, other mode of transportation, there is a real possibility that, you know, the, the swapping batteries is a very common thing in, in some cases. Interesting. So what would that look like, uh, Raju? What would that service look like? You would call somebody and say, hey, my battery's out. I don't have time to charge. Bring me a fresh one and they would swap your battery and they go charge it and then offer it to somebody else? Exactly. So in, in <laughs> one of the cases in the, in the two-wheeler uh, uh, segment, uh, we have seen uh, that you just go to almost like a gas station kind of a concept and you're basically going there. Uh, it's like a two to three minute process where you are swapping the existing battery from the wall and putting a new battery. And that's about it. And in the case of passenger vehicle, uh, it's like a, a small garage uh, where the vehicle gets lifted up. Uh, there are like, uh, I think, a set of uh, robots which pull uh, the battery out, uh, the you know, the big lithium battery on the vehicle, and then they swap it uh, within, I think it's less than five minutes or 10 minutes, something around that. Wow. Wow. And, and, and what, what is the fee for that? What Do you pay the equivalent of a new battery or do you pay by the number so, of hours? So this, what do you do? So this is another interesting concept because it's a battery as a service. You as an owner do not own the battery, yeah. Uh -huh. So, so it's just a service. So it's like a subscription uh, for that. So you're getting charged uh, for the usage of the battery, and battery how many sharing. Times. Interesting. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's something new. Very very interesting. Thank you both. Good good conversation starter, Raju. Daniel, I'm looking at your statement number three. I put it in the chat for you. You say utilizing data and the digital transformation in general are key enablers for sustainable operations. Getting transparency about operations and triggering actions based on data are required to achieve your sustainability goals. Let's talk about the role of digital transformation and data. Good data, bad data, ugly data, and data transparency. Daniel, unpack, yeah. please. Happy to, and, and this is totally in line with the team sports that Raju has just, uh, just been describing because you can only do this team activities, the team sports there, um, if you have, let's say, a common database where you work on. So if you want to track your carbon footprint, if you want to track your emissions, if you want to track anything around sustainability, you need to get that data, of course. You need to get this data to create transparency and um this is the reason why we have uh, currently here in europe we, we have the consortium which is called catena x uh, which is basically a, a number of car makers mostly german ones but also some other players just like sap for example and and others who are coming together to build a, that's basically a common date that's make it uh, a bit easier as it is a common database <laughs> 
for, for example, for supply chains, right? So that everyone has the same foundation for their data, what they're working on um, to, to track emissions, to track, to track the carbon footprint of raw materials, to track the carbon footprint of produced materials that then go to the next step of the value chain. Um, and this is essential if you want to, again, achieve true and, and complete sustainability and not only look at the, um, and this is the figure that we are currently looking at, is the WLTP number, right? So um, ba basically the amount of emission uh, that a car is, is, is providing, um, but that's not enough. You want to get the full picture. And in order to achieve that, you need to get, you need to get the data and you need to have a common set of rules for this data across the different players, uh, players in the universe. Um, and to the second topic about digital transformation, this is only possible if we are digitized. I mean, there, there is no data if we're not really digitized. Maybe there are then some numbers on an Excel sheet, but they won't help us a lot. We need to be on, a, on digitized platforms, call it cloud, whatever you want to call it. Um, but you need to have that digital transformation. And, and even more, digital transformation also means, again, let's pick up the, the example that we have before about range anxiety. I, I constantly want to know when do I need to recharge and where is the next, next charging station. And that's only possible if I have everything digitized. Um, so I would definitely say there is no sustainable mobility, no electrification without a completely digitized ecosystem, um, including the data that is the foundation for that. Thank you very much. So will there be, instead of a gas gauge on the dashboard of the, the oh, well, EV, I don't, obviously haven't seen one yet, but is there a, a battery gauge that says X number of yeah. hours or miles left? Because There's... I... I have a fairly new car, and it says um, number of miles left in the gas that you still have in the tank. Yeah, which is exactly. It, it gives you like, okay, your battery is 15%. That's one number. Um, then it gives you miles or kilometers. Um, miles won't help me in Europe, <laughs> but kilometers. And um, and it will tell you in, in the best case scenario, and there are solutions already available for that, it will tell you, so the next charging station is uh, in five kilometers. There are 10 at this and that station. Three of them are free. Seven of them are occupied already. Book it now. And then you can book that. And that will give you, of course, a great amount of relief on your range anxiety. Uh, very interesting. This is news to me. Thank you very much. Uh, we, we've talked about on, on some of our shows a, a couple of years ago that the, the car of the future quote unquote, uh, will say will send you a message and it will say something like, Daniel, your uh, the belt on your uh, radiator is wearing out. It has about three miles left. Take exit 45A, a mile and a half to the right. There's an Arby's. Go get lunch and leave your car at Bob's parking, Bob Gob's uh, service station. Bob has the part. It will cost you $29.42. It'll go on your Apple Pay or the card you already have on account. And Bob will install it while you're having lunch. And you can be back on the road in 28 minutes. And here's how you get back off of the exit yeah. back onto the highway and we will get those messages in our car. Does this sound about right? It sounds about right and it sounds possible today. I mean, the yeah. data for all of that is, is there. It just needs to be plugged together. And um, yep. again, this is, this is what you were just describing is the customer experience that we want to have because if I go online, 
and I go on, on, on Amazon or, or wherever on these digital native platforms, I get exactly that. Hey, mm -hmm. I know that you're Daniel. Um, you bought, you recently bought this and that. This might be interesting for you. Hey, you can use, you can use your credit. You can use Apple Pay. You can use PayPal. Blah blah blah. And by the way, um, if you buy this, you can get that, uh, take that as well, fifty percent off. So, this is what's happening in on digital platforms, and this is what we're used to, and this is why this needs to be also be available in this driving mobility scenario. Yes. Um, again. First statement that we were discussing, this is a completely new business model and completely new offering that carmakers need to bring to the table. And it also needs uh, an awareness, a presence, and a, a paying attention mode of the driver to know that these signals will be coming in, whether it's a voice speaking from the dashboard, whether it's a printout you're driving, you're looking at your, your range or with your belt going out or whatever it is, and the message is telling you, and do you accept that message? I don't want to go to Bob's service station. I want to go to Mary's Mobile down the block because I remember her, and she's going to give me a better price. A lot of decision-making while you're trying to keep your car on the road. Raju, join us. What an interesting topic. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's exactly what uh, Daniel described. And, you know, a lot of these things are already possible today. We have uh, one of our customers, uh, you know, like Karma Automotive. They're able to detect signals, uh, you know, coming from the vehicle. And they're able to kind of pass it to their operations to, you know, create uh, what should be the decision. You know, what should we tell the customer? Do we need to tell him to exactly pull over because I think we are detecting some issue or, you know, if it is uh, something minor, okay, which we can send a message or uh, talk about it a little bit later to the customer, you know, so depending on these uh, uh, alerts and the predictive uh, signals which we are getting, what, what needs to be done, I think uh, a lot of this is possible, like what Daniel said, it's just that uh, this, this is all going to become more and more visible uh, or needs to become more visible and to offer that, uh, I would say, new set of uh, experience for the customer, you know, the driving experience that, you know, what I'm driving, I don't need to worry about it, you know, as, as uh, the next charging station is in, you know, in half an hour, I, I have these facilities available and I have these set of coupons maybe to uh, use and I can pay right now by my car itself because my car is already, you know, connected to everything I need. So My car is connected to everything I need. You just said it. That's a big statement. Am I right, Daniel? That's, that's where we're going with this, the digital transformation of everything, the car, the customer experience, the OEMs, the manufacturers, the whole sphere of team sport, sustainability, who's part of it? We're all part of it. This is a fascinating topic. Uh, Daniel, anything you want to say back while I tee up a statement from Raju? We only have about eight minutes left. Daniel, go ahead. Uh, just on the last comment, I mean, it's, it's car to car, it's car, it's car to city, it's car to uh, um, traffic lights, whatever it is, it's car to X. Uh, I think that that's the, the phrase that we're constantly using. And there are more than uh, 10,000 of data points uh, that, that cars provide, and uh, they can be utilized. But again, on the broader sustainability topic, it's not just about the data provided by cars, but also from the complete value chain of the data that is there. Thank you very much, Complete Value Chain. So I'm learning so much from both of you. This is fascinating. On my radio show, Technology Revolution, The Future of Now, tomorrow I have a panel of 
automotive folks, shall we just say loosely, who are talking about the race to the car of the future. And I'm going to bring in some of what you're both talking about today. That's a prediction show. All they do is share predictions on the topic, and we'll see where that goes. Uh, Raju, I want to go to your statement number three. We've covered a lot of this, but there's something in here I'm not familiar with, so I'll tell you what it is. You say sustainability data needs to be embedded in the business processes, such as carbon footprint, recycled and renewable material content of the modules and components from tier one suppliers. But here's where I'd like you to address, along with the supplier's sustainability scorecard. What is that? Is it something we can all see? Is it talk about transparency? Is it something posted on, is it a Yelp? This is the supplier's sustainability scorecard. Take a look and decide if you want to work with them or buy from them. Raju, enlighten me, please. Uh, Yeah, thank you, Bonnie. So one thing which we see, uh, you know, how... Uh, different automakers are taking the sustainability journey is uh, one of the big topics they're starting with is uh, as as we rightly said in the beginning you know we the OEMs cannot do everything on their own they rely heavily on suppliers so one of the big topics is they want to make sure that they have a diverse set of suppliers so diversity they have su- suppliers who are sustainable that means they need to understand how the supplier is uh, uh, performing when it comes to the ESG scoring, so environmental, social, and governance, as well as the material uh, aspect of it. Yeah. So I think here, when I meant by what I mean by sustainability scorecard is trying to better understand where my supplier is in that sustainability journey, and what can me uh, me as an OEM or automaker can do to help drive that because. Uh, the OEM or the automaker cannot be successful unless all of us are on board. So the, all the suppliers are on board. So the sustainability uh, scorecard basically brings together the risk, uh, the uh, environmental footprint of that supplier when it comes to their operations and the rating, which is coming from uh, basically a third party entity where, uh, you know, the supplier has to present all and answer all those questions, you know, how they are doing certain practices within whether it is in their operations whether they're you know how they're treating their diverse set of suppliers so it's a basically a combination of all of that information together again transparency uh, for the oems uh, on their entire supply chain that's where that's what i meant by that thank you interesting daniel thoughts about sustainable um, scorecard yeah two topics i think um I do agree that a scorecard is essential or that the scores are very important. I have one, let's say, problem with that is that they can be, there is a lot of cheating, I would say, on those scores currently. Uh, and, and there are so many different scores, right? So I believe just yesterday, yesterday I received an email with, hey, these are new scores for some OEMs. Today I received another email from some other institute. <laughs> these are the new scores. And... Um, there's a lot you can tweak around, right? So just to give you one example about the WLTP values uh, that are so important here in Europe. Um, so there's, uh, I believe it's it's, it's uh, JLR, so Diego Land Rover, teaming up with um, Tesla to have a joint pool of cars. And they look at the WLTP values of that pool. Of course, it's very low because Tesla is pure electric, right? But I- I'm personally don't get that because this is two companies just throwing their cars together in one pool. 
Um, so this is why I have a bit of a, let's say, issue currently with scores, because they are not there yet, I, I would say. Um, the second topic, I was just last week, I had a meeting with a client of ours in an OEM talking about their new uh, sustainable sourcing standards, because they have now a document that goes out to all of their suppliers from large service companies, just as SAP or Gemini, down to little mechanics somewhere in the world who are working with them. And they all need to sign these uh, sustainable sourcing standards. And they go from human rights to labor to, of course, environment and everything. And I think this is very important if you want to take it serious. You need to involve all of your suppliers um, to get on board um, of, of your values. Thank you very much. I'm looking at the clock. We only have about two and a half minutes left. I have so much enjoyed speaking with both of you. You came prepared to to challenge me, to challenge our listeners to, to grasp this very, very important but very big topic. There are so many tentacles to it, if you will. I think we have time for each of you to give me a 60-second prediction. I know we didn't prepare for this. I, I hinted when we just before we started to go live that we might get to this. So I'm going to ask you, if we met again, let's say two years from today, and I hope we do here on the radio, what would you be saying about this topic? Would sustainable mobility already be, yeah, it's already a fact of life, everybody's doing it, the planet's better, everybody's happy, the scorecards are up, whatever you wanna call them, charging stations are good, everybody's swapping batteries, blah, blah, blah. So what would you say, would we be saying the same things in two years or would everything have changed and be wonderful? Daniel, 60 seconds, and I mean it, go. Now, yeah. Well, of, of course, the the truth is somewhere in between. I'm pretty sure that we will not discuss um, range anxiety, electric vehicles, so much anymore because we will make a lot of progress in that area. I think we will more focus then on production, on operations, on uh, how we can even better live and extend this sustainable mobility ecosystem, and. Um, I would say um, the topic will still be there, but um, it's more of a, yeah, we, it's on our daily routine topic. Thank you. Raju, 30 seconds. Sorry, we're tight now. Sorry. That's <laughs> yes. okay. That's okay. Raju. I think, I, think uh, I, will, I see this topic to be still relevant. Uh, uh, it's not, as, as Daniel said, not mm. something new anymore in the sense of, uh, you know, latest, but I think it's, it will be part of our uh, everyday conversation and I think there'll be constant improvement on this topic, uh, whether it's operational, procure, operationally, uh, operational resilience, supply chain, uh, materials. And so a lot of interesting topics, definitely, and more players in this. We ha I predict we're going to do a part two later this year. So you go ahead and tell the two people who are responsible, the, the sponsors of this series, Thomas Pohl and Judy Kubis at SAP. Thank you so much. Daniel Garshagen at Garshagen at Capgemini. Such a pleasure to meet you. Raju, delighted to have you back. Shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer at Voice America Radio. And here's my call to action. Gentlemen, don't go away. I want to take some pictures. Call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. How appropriate. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Daniel, just like Raju, and just like me. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Have a great one. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the future of mobility and manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, 
tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.